Well, good morning and uh, welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones and I'm one of the pastors here on staff and we are so glad that you're here with us today. And I don't know about you, but there's a few exciting things that are happening this week, like school is out. Are you excited about that? Hey, there we go. That was pretty good. Those are the teachers in the room. Those are uh, not the uh, parents or anything like that. But uh, this week's also exciting because we are going to be launching one of our first mission trips this Saturday to Guatemala and then the other mission trip in August. So I'm going to invite up, we're going to pause here in our service, and we're going to do a prayer of dedication over this team that is going to Guatemala. So if the team can come on up to the stage, and as they're coming up, I want to let you know exactly the partnership that we have down in Guatemala. Uh, We partner with a local church called Iglesia del Camino in Guatemala, in Antigua, uh, Guatemala. And we've been partnering with them going on the fourth uh, year this year. And they do an amazing job of really reaching out to their community and helping those people who are in need with various projects that they do. And so a few things that we will be doing down there on the trip is we will be constructing two homes for uh, two families that are in desperate need of a home. And when we talk about home, it's really not a home. It's almost like a glorified shed. Uh, But to them, it means so much uh, because it's something. It's not dirt floors. It's not corn stalks for walls and everything. And so it's amazing uh, exactly what people live in in those conditions. And so we will be going down there and providing two homes that uh, partly that you guys have also provided through your giving as well. And then we will also be doing a kind of remodeling kind of construction project as well. And then working with various children's ministries down there as well with teaching them about God and who he is and everything like that. And so these 11 people are going on the trip uh, to Guatemala and they have done an amazing job of preparing for the trip. We've met seven times to prepare for the trip. Each of them have different roles and been preparing in different ways uh, to uh, play out those roles down there in Guatemala as well. Uh, They've been raising support and then they've also surrendered their vacation time to do this as well. And so a lot of them have made some sacrifices to do that, to make a way to go down and be on this trip as well. And so uh, there is a card in your seat um, and it says, it's just a reminder for you to be praying for this team. Uh, it's Go Guatemala from June 8th, that's Saturday, to Saturday the 15th. And so would you post this somewhere in your house where you can see it? And as you see it, remember to pray for us as we are down there in Guatemala. Uh, and then again, we will be having a trip in August for about 17 other people that will be going to Guatemala and doing some of the same things as well with our partnership. And um, also, if you want to follow us as we're on our trip, there is a website website address at the bottom, and you can read our daily posts that we'll be posting, different blogs and everything, and then also posting different pictures of the team and what we're doing down there and how we're representing you as a church in another country as well. And so would you join with me? I'm going to pray over the team. And as I'm praying, would you pray with me to yourselves for this team? If you know some of the faces up here, be praying for them as well. Write them down on your cards as well, and be praying for them as we depart this Saturday. So let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are a God of love and that you care so much not only about our world, but God, the world that is out there beyond our borders. And so God, we just thank you that you love people. And uh, it's amazing that these people have said, you know what, I want to go. I want to go and I want to represent you and I want to give of my time and I want to give up my vacation uh, to go on this trip and uh, make a difference in other people's lives for you, God. 
And that is an amazing thing to do. And so we thank you so much for them. We thank you for those who've contributed to this trip. We pray that um, you will remind us to be praying for them as they are on this trip. And we thank you so much for what you're going to do and uh, what we're going to hear that they've done on this trip. And so, God, we just thank you so much uh, for having a heart that reaches out to us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. You can go ahead and be seated. Yeah, go ahead and talk to them as well. Well, today we are concluding our message series on parenting, and today we are having a guest speaker named Tony Putnam, and he is the co-pastor of Palm Coast Community Church. And if you're unfamiliar with Palm Coast Community Church, Palm Coast Community Church uh, launched out Epic Church almost four years ago. They said to Trent, hey, Trent, it's time for you to go on good grounds, you know, so it was a good thing. And they said, it's time for you to launch a church. And so Trent had the vision to launch out and uh, start Epic Church almost four years ago. This September will be four years. And so Tony Putnam is on staff over there at Palm Coast Community Church. And I just want to let you know, Palm Coast Community Church, not only did they support us back then, but they continue to support us. They allow us to use a couple of their offices uh, for us, and they also allow us to use their facilities for our student ministry, and then also for some of our small group environments. And so they've done a great job of cheering us on and supporting us in many different ways. And so I couldn't think of a better person to conclude our series on parenting. Uh, Prior to being the co-pastor, Tony was the student minister over there for many, many, many years, and so he has a lot of experience with youth, and then he is also a wonderful husband and a wonderful father as well, and so he is going to be uh, concluding our message series today, and so you'll want to definitely take some notes on some of the things that he'll be saying to us today. So just sit back and relax and enjoy the rest of the service. Man, I love me some Tim Hawkins. That dude is really funny. And uh, just a great way to start uh, this part of the service off by, by laughing at ourselves, because when it comes to this issue of conflict, it's not really a laughing matter. We have to bring some levity to it, because what we all want is we want great relationships at home. That's what we want. I think if we can learn to have great relationships at home, it's just going to export out and there'll be great relationships in the culture. Billy Graham said, the true test of a Christian's character is how he or she behaves at home. I don't know about you, but I find this the hardest place to be Jesus-y. And when I became a Christ follower, I was 17 years old. It was the end of my junior year of high school. I was a rebellious teenager, and it was a life-changing, transforming experience for me. Jesus changed me, but I still went at it with my brother. I mean, we fought like cats and dogs. And my mom said to me, I'll believe this Jesus thing is real when I see you change the way you treat your brother. Ouch. And you know what? For the first time in my life, I had to admit my mom was right. I never wanted to admit she was right up to that point, but Jesus was in me now. I was a different person. And as much as I didn't like to hear it from her, what she was saying was true. And so my brother and I are great friends today, but it's because of Jesus and what he can do, what he did in my life, he can do in your life as well. But look, I think our culture has just settled for. We kind kind of expect less And God has a plan, and God has a plan for dealing with conflict. And if we'll enact his plan, if we'll pursue his plan, then we're going to see some positive results. Now, this is not a panacea. If we go do what God says, it's not going to make sure everything's not going to be perfect all of a sudden. You can be doing exactly the right thing, and you can be perfect, which you're not. But if you were, you could be doing the right thing all the time, and you could be going to people trying to deal with conflict. And guess what? If they don't want to play ball, 
They don't have to play ball. You can't make them. So just because you operate by God's principles doesn't mean everything is going to work out, but you can know that you're doing the right thing. Well, the key verse for this series is out of Proverbs 22.6, and uh, Trent chose the New King James Version, and it says this, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up the child. So the whole thing is about how do we parent better? Week one, we said training up my kids starts with me. Training up my kids starts with me. It's, it's, if I don't start this process, it's not going to happen. And week two, you guys talked about training up my kids takes time and intentionality. It takes time. And if you don't do it on purpose, it won't magically happen. Kids don't raise themselves. Well, they do. And then look what we got, right? So week three, training my kids requires loving discipline, loving discipline. We need to teach our kids and correct our kids. And this week, we're jumping into training my kids requires dealing with conflict correctly. Dealing with conflict, I can't say it either, conflict correctly. Before we jump into this, though, I'd like to pray. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love for us, and I thank you that you not only teach us how to deal with conflict, but you set the example for it yourself. And um, God, let's just be honest with you right here, right now, probably a significant number of us walked into this room this morning in conflict. We might have been in conflict in the parking lot. We might have been in conflict at work yesterday. We might stay in conflict. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to your truth today and that you would speak to us and that you would change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I was joking around, but I wasn't joking around. I'm saying this is going to be an easy message to preach because I'm just going to tell everybody, if you have a conflict, call Trent. The end. That's it. Just call him. Just call Trent and say, hey, Tony said if I had a problem to call you. And then, then I'm just going to walk off the stage and it's all going to be over. Now, it'd be great if it was that easy, right? It would be great if we could just call somebody up and say, hey, you know, dude, fix this. But it doesn't happen that way. Because training our kids to deal with conflict correctly really starts with training ourselves to deal with conflict correctly. We're really talking about training ourselves. And today, I know this is about parenting, but this is such a broad application. So it doesn't matter if you're 8 or 80. Dealing with conflict, the principles are the same. So this is the truth, though. Whatever method of conflict resolution you use in your home right now is the method of conflict resolution your kids are learning. Scary thought. That's what they're learning. Whatever it is you're doing, that's what they're learning. Just like whatever we grew up with as adults when we were kids, whatever conflict resolution situation was in the house, that's what we grew up thinking was normal and probably thinking, well, you might not have thought it was right, but you thought it was normal. My wife's dad, uh, before he passed away, I heard him say on several occasions, he never, ever saw his parents argue. They never argued. Now, so my wife's dad grew up to be a, a type A, intense, aggressive, angry person. And once we got to know the backstory on this, that he never saw his parents argue ever, it kind of made sense because he never saw conflict in the home and he never saw how to resolve conflict in the home. It kind of makes sense. But, you know, it perpetuates to the next generation. So my wife grows up in a home with a dad who never saw how to deal with conflict. 
All he would do was get angry and blame everybody. It was never his fault. So I get married to Carrie, and imagine what the first few years of our marriage were like, right? Because that's how she thought you were supposed to deal with conflict. I had a whole other way of growing up. And I, I remember I had friends uh, back in South Carolina where I grew up, and, and they wore like a badge of honor the fact that they never argued. I mean, they, I mean, adult couple never argued. Well, I got to know them. And as I got to know them, I found out why they never argued. He just rolled over, man. I mean, whatever she said, he did. And no conflict whatsoever. I'll just do what you say. I mean, he had a hook in his nose. I mean, it was like, Wow. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not the way I want to live my life. I mean, I want to be able to be honest. I want to be able to have integrity. And I want to be able to deal with the stuff that's in front of me. Now, like I said, you can't always deal with it, but you can always try. And this goes all the way back, guys. This goes all the way back to as far as the Garden of Eden. People have been having conflict since the very beginning of time. And what we learn from Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden is how not to deal with conflict. If you know the story, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it was a perfect place, and he created this perfect garden, and he put these perfect people in it, and then one day, the serpent comes along and tempts them to do the one thing that God said don't do. Now, God said, you can do anything you want except for this one thing, and so what do people do? The one thing, right? So they go, and they eat the banana or the fruit or whatever it was, right, and they eat it. And then all of a sudden, they realize things are not the way they were. And then God comes along, and that's where we want to pick up in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 16. Genesis chapter 3. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they, what? They hid from the Lord God among the trees. They hid. That's one of the things we do when there's conflict. It's one of the things we do when we get into wrong relationships and we get sideways with people. We hide, we run, we escape, we fly. We don't want to deal with the conflict. Turtle head and the turtle shell. There you go, boom. Okay, then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? As if God didn't know where they were, right? So he replies, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, here it goes, it was that woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did wrong, but it's not my fault. It's her fault. Blame right away. Blame, man. Okay, we hide and we blame. We hide and we blame. And then it doesn't stop there. The Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me. Yeah, I ate it, but it's his fault. Ever since Adam and Eve, we've been hiding and blaming. Ever since Adam and Eve, we, we retreat or we fight. And that is a bad way to deal with conflict. Now, before I go any further... I just want to make sure that this is not theory to me and you. I want to make sure that we understand this is about us. And just like in week one, it all starts with who? It all starts with me. So some of you are sitting there and you're going, I am so glad my parents are here today because they need to hear this. And some of you parents are going, oh, I am so glad my kids are here. Hey, Johnny, listen to the dude up there. You need to hear this. And some of you are going, I wish my husband was here. I wish my wife was here. Listen, this is the reality. They're all saying the same thing about you. 
They want you to listen. So whoever you are, whatever stage of life you're in, it starts with me, okay? Not me, you say me, okay, because that gets confusing. First person, all that kind of stuff, right? Okay, so I want to do a little conflict test, and this is a little true-false test. We're just going to put the questions up on the screen, and I'm going to ask the question, and you out loud tell me true or false. Get it? Get it? Are you guys awake? Okay, because you got to talk out loud for this one, right? Number one, the closer people get to each other, the greater chances of conflict. True or false? That's why so many boyfriend, girlfriend break up and they go get the next boyfriend, girlfriend, and they break up because as soon as you get to know that person a little bit, mm, you know, that's the way to, yeah, the closer we get to each other, the more conflict we get into. Number two, people argue mainly over big issues in their relationship. False. Well, y'all knew that one right away. Don't you know the feeling of just being angry and you can't even remember why? I mean, I'm just mad at you. We got into a fight about what? I don't remember. But it was a fight, man, and I was mad, right? Yeah, it's the little stuff oftentimes. Number three, people should avoid conflict with each other. True or false? False. False. We should should not avoid conflict. We need to deal with conflict. But, you know, again, we just highlighted that there with a hide thing like Adam and Eve did. Okay, number four, an argument can make a relationship stronger. True or false? True. It can... It can also destroy a relationship, but it has the potential, arguments have the potential to make our relationship stronger. Why? Because arguments highlight a difference. And if we don't deal with what the issue is, then that's a bad thing. If we can deal with what the issue is, then that's a good thing. So it can. Uh, Number next, to avoid hurting someone's feelings, when something is bothering you, it's best to say nothing. True or false? Oh, not quite as vocal on that one. False. Yeah, I say it's false because it's different than saying, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. This is saying to avoid hurting someone's feelings when something's bothering you, it's best to say nothing ever. No, 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 no. You've got to try to deal with it. And sometimes true, you're in a situation and you know what I'm talking about and somebody's just chewing your ear off and you're going, if I open my mouth to say anything, it's only going to get worse, right? Anybody know what I'm saying? Anybody? Hello? Yeah, yeah. So there's a time to be quiet. Uh, Number six, problems will disappear over time if they're just left alone. True or false? (laughs) No, (laughs) they're not going to go away because the next time you have an argument, they're going to bring that up then, right? Number seven. When people have a conflict, they tend to fight fairly. True or false? False. So false. We do not fight fair. We just don't. And, and we, we don't fight fair, then we get mad when other people don't fight fair. But we, yeah, okay. So in order to end an argument, you should just give in. False. Now, there's, <laughs> you should just give in. Sometimes... There's a difference between just giving in and taking a role that is not aggressive. Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. Number nine, when arguing, it's a good idea to bring up past problems because this will reduce the conflict. Yeah, I don't even know who wrote that question. And number 10, when there's a problem in a relationship, usually both people are at fault. True or false? That is really true, and sometimes that's really hard to see. And, and honestly, there's, there's almost never a 50-50 thing. 
Usually somebody is more at fault than the other one. And if we happen to be the person less at fault, even if it's like 49 to 51, you know, we, we tend to lean into that a little bit because it's more her fault, it's more his fault. But what we have to do is we have to own whatever part of that conflict is ours, even if it's one-tenth of one percent. And that's where we start because it starts with me. So how do we deal with this? What I want to do at this point is just kind of press the pause button and watch a video of a real mother and a real daughter who just let the cameras roll and let us look into real life argument that they're having. Take a look. So where do they go from there? I mean, they're at an impasse. Okay, question, question, answer this out loud. Do you think the mom is right? Yes, partially. Do you think the daughter is going to hear it? No. As long as the mom is talking like that to the daughter, the daughter is not going to hear a thing she has to say. And even if she was talking differently, she might not. So we're at this impasse. How do we deal with it? And what I want you to do right now is just think about, if you're all grown up and out of the house, I want you to think about the environment that you grew up in. And if you're still in your parents' home or one of your parents' home, I want you to think about the environment that you're currently in. You're going to have conflict, and you're having conflict. So I want to go back to the Adam and Eve thing. Most people want to hide or blame. How about you? Is it your tendency to hide? Is it your tendency to blame? For me, growing up, my mom was bipolar and aggressive. I'm not kidding. And, and my dad is passive. And guess what conflict looked like in my house? I mean, I learned that the way to deal with conflict was to not make mom angry. That was the rule. I mean, it was, it was never written, it was never stated, but I learned that. And so I learned that the way to deal with conflict was just to make sure it never happened in the first place. And that's not a good way of dealing with conflict. That's the hiding thing. And I'll say this too, you know, you might be a, a parent and you might be the perfect parent, which there are none, but even if you were a perfect parent and you did everything exactly right, that doesn't mean your kids are necessarily going to turn out right. Because they have a will of their own. They can make their own choices. Now, God does promise if we, if we work with that and we apply the principles that there's, a, there's an outcome. But there's no like, if I do A and B, it guarantees C. Because just like you have your own strong will and you make your own decisions, your kids do the same thing. So as we start unpacking this, Let's, let's, let's look at what Jesus had to say. Jesus just hit stuff straight on. I mean, I love, the way, I, mean, I love the way he would just deal with an issue right out there. And he does this in Matthew. And in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, the first public sermon we have of Jesus, and then later in Matthew 18. And we're just going to read these passages. And we're going to bring them up on the screen right now. So Jesus says, So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple... And you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. So get a picture of this. You're in church this morning. We're singing. We're praising God. We're worshiping. And all of a sudden you remember somebody has something against you. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. And then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Leave the worship service and go deal with the issue. That's what he's saying. That's pretty intense. And I'm going to guess, and not just because it's epic, but because it's PC3 in every other church in the world, we don't generally do that. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why we have so much unresolved conflict is we do not make it a priority. 
Jesus said it was a priority even over the ritual of worship. That's pretty intense. Right, in Matthew 18, he goes on and he says, If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you're unsuccessful, take, two, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that everything you say may, may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. And the verses right before that are very important to understanding the verses that we just read, starting with verse 12. If a man has a hundred sheep, how many of you have sheep? Nobody? Okay. They were shepherds. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he'll rejoice over it more than the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, is, not my heavenly fa- is it not my heavenly father's will that even one of these little ones should perish? Look, get the context. It's reconciliation. The whole, the whole context of the verses that follow about going to somebody who sinned is reconciliation. It's all about winning them back. It's all about the relationship. Jesus is saying that people are so important that we should go after restoring relationships. While Jesus was addressing specifically in this passage the issue of sin, the broader principle is at work in both these passages and a lot of other passages in scripture. No matter which side has caused the problem, the solution is the same. Go. Go. You may be the one that caused it or it may have happened to you. It doesn't really matter. Go. Because the relationships are that important. You see, first, go to the person with whom you're experiencing a conflict and address the issue face to face. And I need to say in our culture, face to face is very important because we text and we email. Don't do that when you're trying to resolve conflict because no matter how well you word that thing, it's going to be misunderstood. And it's just going to add to the problem. Trust me, I know. I have experience with doing it the wrong way. Go to them face to face and have the conversation. And don't start gathering up your posse and drawing lines in the sand and ganging up on somebody. Go to them privately. It honors the relationship the most when we have a private conversation. And Jesus said, go quickly. He said, look, if you're in, at the temple, if you're in church and you realize this, leave it and go. With those words, Jesus made it clear that relationships are more important than the ritual of worship. I mean, we would say God is the most important thing in my life, wouldn't we? We would say God is, it should be the most important thing in my life. But what Jesus says, what is the greatest commandment, when it was asked of Jesus, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. He doesn't separate loving people from loving God. He says it's one and the same. So you might say you love God. If you don't love people, then Jesus is saying, "Eh, you only got half of it right. You need to love people if you really love God. And then and only then, if you go to the person and you can't deal with the thing, then bring somebody into the situation. Bring a mediator in. Bring somebody that can help you come to terms, to find common ground, to work together on this. And again, we can't guarantee that everybody is going to want to do this. You, you know what I'm saying? Some, some of you are in relationships right now and you go, yeah, I've done that seven times and he won't talk to me or she won't talk to me. Look, this is what the scripture says, Romans 12, 18. Do all that you can 
to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can. Work at it as hard as you can. And it doesn't say do all that you can to be right. It says do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So who's supposed to initiate? We are. It doesn't matter who's at fault. We're the ones that are supposed to initiate. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm thinking that's just not fair. I mean, she's the one, he's the one, and then what do I catch myself doing? Blaming. That's exactly right. We have this thing about fairness, but I am so glad that God was not fair to us because we've offended God. We've gone our own way, and just like Adam and Eve, we, God says do it this way, and we go, no thanks, God, I'm going to do it that way. And yet God didn't wait for us. He came from heaven to earth. Jesus came, he lived, he died a sacrificial death to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could have a restored relationship with God and each other. I'm so glad Jesus didn't wait for us. He initiated, he came to us. So not only does he tell us what to do, he models for us what to do. Go, it doesn't matter who the offending party is. And look, as we just wrap this thing up today, I want to put some practical hows out there. How do you go? Okay, it's one thing to say go to somebody, and then it's another thing to actually go to them. What do you say? How do you say it? How do you do that? And we're just going to quickly hit some points. There's no way this is like a seminar on how to deal with conflict. This is just kind of like to whet your appetite, okay? Number one, pick your battles. Pick your battles. If you're in massive conflict with your kids or you're in massive conflict with your parents or your husband or your wife or other significant relationships, you're not going to win the whole war at once. Pick your battles. You need to decide what is the one thing that we really could work on. And I would suggest picking something that you think you might actually reach agreement on. And then you can build from there. It's a great way to do it. By the way, love really does cover a multitude of sins. Grace is a great thing. Okay, next, initiate, move towards the other person. So often in conflict, we're going, I ain't moving first. I'm not doing it, no, no, no. I've gone first the last 10 times. I'm not gonna do it this time. She's gonna have to come to me. Initiate, initiate. Next, seek to understand, especially to parents. Do you not remember what it was like to be a kid? I mean, you know, put yourself in their shoes. Did you ever talk back to your parents? Did you? Yeah. That or you got beaten with a belt because they don't do that anymore, right? Did you ever think your parents were just nuts? I mean, I did. Did you ever just want to do what you wanted to do? Did you? I mean, did you ever really not comprehend consequences? I mean, you know, we talk to our kids about consequences like they're going to understand it. We didn't understand it. Hey, y'all, watch this. You know what I mean? It was like, we did dumb stuff. Did you ever just have a compulsion to do bad things for no other reason than it was there? Did you ever just say, I don't know? I mean, you know, we get so angry at our kids, and we did the same things. Remember where they are. Put yourself in their shoes. Okay, next, drop your defenses. Arms crossed rigid stance, okay, I'm here to talk about our problem. And that's going to go really well. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's going to go far. You know, drop your defensive. Pay attention to your posture. Pay attention to your tone. How you say what you say is often more important than what you actually say in these situations. Listen. 
listen. Winston Churchill said, Churchill said, courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. That's pretty intense. God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Okay, we should listen twice as much as we talk. Use I feel words instead of you assault words. When you're really trying to deal with conflict with somebody, as soon as you start saying, you did this, you did that, yah, 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 then they're automatically, what? What's their posture automatically? Yeah, they're going to be defensive, man. But if you come into a situation and you go, look, I, I, I really got my feelings hurt. I, I, I'm really offended or uh, I, I feel like that's unfair. When you start saying, I feel, that helps break down those defenses. And empty your suitcase. Don't go into a conflict with a suitcase full of baggage and stuff from all of your, you know, because when you start getting into that conflict, if, if it starts escalating, which it almost always will if it's a good conflict, right? You know, your, your temperature is going to start rising and you're going to start feeling flush and you're going to start getting angry and you're going, I'm trying to stay under control. Then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're pulling that stuff out of that suitcase and you're bringing the last seven times you did that, yada, yada, yada. You got to unpack your suitcase. You only deal with the issue at hand. Only deal with that one. And then finally, speak the truth in love. There's two things there. There's truth and there's love. Speak the truth in love. Love's the qualifier. Don't use truth as a club. You know, words heal or they hurt. Have you ever heard anybody justify their insensitivity by calling it candor or frankness or honesty? I just say what's on my mind. I'm just telling the truth. I'm just saying it like it is. And it just crushes people's spirit. So look, here's the big picture. What's your goal in conflict? Is it to be right or is it to be reconciled? Is it to be justified in your position or is it to bring the relationship back together? God certainly is justified in his position to judge each of us, but he chose to extend grace. And he chose to come to us. And so often when we get into this stuff with real people with skin on, we quit after a short time. We go, I tried that. It didn't work. Look, we're not going to, if you're in the middle of like serious conflict, you're not going to see dramatic results instantaneously. It's going to take time, work, God, and other people. It just is. It is what it is. Are you going to put forth the effort to gain something? Because look, we can settle for a bad relationship or an okay relationship, or we can have what God really wants us to have, which are great relationships with him and other people. Let's pray. Well, Lord, I know a lot of these people have been here for this whole series, and uh, even as I was prepping for this message, I just realized man, I need help. And God, as we sit here today, I, I know you, you have gotten my attention on this and you have reminded me, which I need on a regular basis, you have reminded me again of how important relationships are. And you've also reminded me that you set a, a standard and where I am and where I live is not that standard. And God, I recognize that's a good thing because what you do through your grace, if we will yield to you, is you bring us into a right relationship with you and you bring those things in line. 
And God, we need that. We need to have. We need to have our lives brought in line with your plan. So, Lord, as we've gone through these things, it comes to my mind that, um, and I just, I had to go through the exercise myself before I even got up here of, am I living in conflict with people right now? And to the best of my ability, have I resolved it? And God, before you here and others, I can say, yes, I have. And it forced me to, to go talk to some people before I got up here. And God, as we end this, uh, this service with worship, it's just a time for us to reflect and for us to think and for you to speak to us. And God, if people are coming to our minds right now that we need to go reconcile with, give us the courage to go reconcile with them. Give us the courage to, to do what is right and seek after the relationship. And so, Lord, we're, we're crying out to you for help in this because this is bigger than we are and this is bigger than we can handle. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. If you uh, would mind just having a seat for a second, we just have a few announcements before we finish off. Um, just want to let you know that this Saturday, June 8th, we have a great opportunity before us. Uh, Palm Coast Community Church, the church that I told you about that partners with us, that Tony's from, uh, they need a little help this week. Uh, they need some manpower and everything. And so there is a card on your seat. And this Saturday, as I said, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., they're doing a whole bunch of painting, landscaping, cleaning on their facilities and everything. And so it would be a great way for us to be able to serve them. They've served us so much. And so if you have a little bit of time on Saturday that you can give a few hours, uh, we would love for you to do that and help us out as we serve them as they've served us so well. If you wouldn't mind, if you're interested in doing that, we'd love to uh, know who you are. If you would stop by the Connection Center and sign up there and put your name and phone number and email so that way we can contact you and verify uh, the information for this Saturday and everything. Uh, that would be awesome if you would be a part of that. And then next week, we are starting a new series on the letter of Romans in the Bible. And so if you are like new to this whole God thing or checking him out, this uh, letter in the Bible is a great letter to really see the heartbeat of who God is and what he desires for us. And then if you are a Christ follower, it is a great letter to know and to just put into your heart as a foundation of knowing what you really believe and who God is and how much he loves us as well. And so we just want to invite you out for our next series. It's going to be a fantastic series as we really probe the depth of Romans in that letter. And if you would, go ahead and start to read a little bit of Romans. Go ahead and read chapters one through three in Romans, and that way uh, we'll be going over those chapters next week as well. And then if you call Epic your home, there's two ways that you can help to kind of give back to what we do here to make an investment in the lives of those who are here and in our children's areas and in our community and also around the world. And so if you call Epic uh, your home, there's two ways that you can give. You can give at the giving boxes located at the end of each row and then also online at theepicchurch.com as well. And then if you are new to Epic today and you would like to find out more information, please stop by our Connection Center. They have a brochure for you. If you have questions about Epic, they'd love to help you as well. And then uh, we are so glad that you are here today. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great Sunday and say hi to someone before you leave. So thank you so much for being here today.